0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Forrester's CX Cast. Each week, we speak with an analyst from the Customer Experience team about their research or discuss a customer experience topic in the news. Along with my co-host analyst Diana Lawer, my name is Sam Stern. You will hear both of our voices each week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Forrester's Cast. This is Sam Stern. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Diana Lauffer. Hi, everyone. And we have a guest this week that we have not had on the uh, podcast before, our new analyst, Andrew Hogan. Hello, Andrew.
1: Hello. Glad to be here.
0: And we wanted to talk to you today about your report uh, about how Visa tackled a thorny customer experience problem with smartphones. But first, um, Andrew, you're uh, new to Forrester. You're new to the CXCast audience. We'd like to ask you first about you. Um, tell us uh, where you've come to Forrester from, uh, what you're going to be writing about uh, as you move forward, and uh, uh, where you are in the world.
1: Sure. Uh, so I'm, I'm a new analyst uh, in San Francisco. Uh, I come to Forrester from uh, a few different uh, digital agencies. Um, leading strategy at uh, at one of them. Um, My coverage area will be, uh, you know, in in the realm of digital customer experiences and how to improve those things, and and generally just bringing a a kind of a halo of technology optimism to customer experience.
0: (laughs) Great. Well, welcome, and and thanks for joining us today.
2: And as Sam mentioned, um, your first report that you wrote um, was about a thorny cx problem that visa tackled as uh, as your report says tell us about what that problem was what was the impetus for that re- that report
1: yeah absolutely so the the big problem that visa was having is that uh you know their their customers would travel and, and go outside of normal purchase behaviors and um you know try to use their cards and and it would be declined and if, if this has ever happened to you you know just how frustrating it is. You you've had a great dinner. You're maybe out with clients. You go to reach for your card and pay, and then boom, declined. And it's just so jarring. Um, and and it's actually a pretty common issue. Uh, you know, up to 20 percent of credit card users say it's happened to them. Uh, and, and you know, it's so jarring when it happens that it, it sort of shakes your your ability to believe that you can pay in the future.
0: Yeah, I think it casts doubt for you every subsequent time you use it that's not, you know, your, your cup of coffee at, the, at your local Starbucks, right? It's any time that it's going to be slightly outside of your, your patterns that you, <laughs> you're, you're then worried, you're spooked.
2: Yeah, I was actually, I was booking tickets for my honeymoon to Turkey and I had spent all this time trying to figure out when I was gonna go and I was finally sitting down to pay for the tickets and my credit card gets declined and it was such a, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> such a pain, but also this sort of disappointing moment um, where well. I knew I couldn't sort of move forward with this trip. Right.
1: Yeah. And just just imagine that you, you know, you're in a in another country, in another state, you're not in your, you know, fortunately, you were you know, booking probably at home. Yeah. Uh, now imagine that you are out of your element. And it's just uh, it's even more of, a, of an issue.
0: Yeah. It's a it's a it's a real moment of truth for that customer. And it's a huge letdown in a sense.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. Yep. So.
2: So what is Visa doing to deal with this problem?
1: Yeah, so I think so I think one thing that's really important to understand here is that uh, there were 11 billion dollars in credit card and debit card losses in 2013. So it's not like Visa can just say like, "Oh, okay, we'll just we'll let these things go through." Uh, you know, that's it's not an issue where you can just decide you're going to take the losses. It's something that, that has to be dealt with.
0: And and losses um, mean fraudulent charges or what is yeah, that number?
1: fraudulent charges. Yeah, fraudulent charges. Um, and there's also costs to institutions in um, investigating potential fraudulent charges ah, I see uh, so yeah there's there's uh, costs on on many fronts um, and it's a real business issue right um, so yeah they've they've done a, a number of things to make it easier um, for for customers you know I think this is something that was much more common even a few years ago the algorithms have, the, to detect fraud have become uh, significantly better uh, but most recently, they've got this service uh, mobile location confirmation uh, that's driven with a technology partner uh, that they have uh, called FinSphere. Um and, and basically, the idea is that it compares where the transaction is occurring uh, with where the smartphone uh, is actually, you know, is uh, not necessarily at that moment, but, but recently. Um, and, and basically, the, the thought process is that If your phone is in the same place as the transaction is happening, it's probably not fraud. People tend to carry their phones with them, uh, right? and that tends to be a pretty good predictor.
2: So how does Visa know where my phone is?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: We've gone from uh, (laughs) frustrated to creeped out here.
1: (laughs) Just curious. Uh, There's no need need to be creeped out here. Uh, So it's it's opt-in. Uh, you would know uh, if you had opted into the service with, um, with your bank.
2: Okay. Um, and it, it's,
1: it's one of those things where you know, Visa specifically said, you know, we don't actually want to know exactly where you are. We only want to know generally where you are. Uh, you know, the capability exists to know, uh, you know in very, very fine detail, uh, but they really just need to know city, state, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, right. For this kind of transaction, that's enough. And, and they were very specific in doing it that way to avoid that
0: creep factor. So once Diana was on her honeymoon, so long as you know they see that she's in uh, Istanbul or another city in <laughs> Turkey, um, that she then when she charges something relatively close to there they're saying, "Okay, the smartphone's there. Um, we're fairly confident that Diana did take that trip and is over there now charging things as you would." Right. Got
1: right. it. And and I, I should add, I should add that there's it's not the only check that happens here, you know, there's there's a, a very short, millisecond-long check that you know, looks at recent purchase behavior, um, that looks at you know, past behaviors, looks at other potential signs of fraud. Um, so this is just adding to a check that's already occurring.
0: This is really interesting to me because it, it seems like a, um, to borrow a common Forester phrase, a mobile moment, and yet it's sort of in the background, right? They're using your phone to verify your identity. Uh, to make sure that this purchase is one they should approve, that you'll be happy that they approved. And it's because of your mobile phone, and, but it's happening almost out of your um, consciousness then. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. And I think that's
1: one of the great things about technology is that you can either bring it to the front and it can be the star of the show, or it can be a, you know, a passive enabler of a better experience. Um, and and those, are the kinds of, you know, those are the kinds of things that really interest me. Uh, you know, yeah. giant video walls are great, but making it so that this thing that was a problem is now no longer an issue—that's really exciting.
0: So, give us um, give us a, a stat or two about you know the, the the impact this has had. Why has this been such a smart move for for Visa?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, the the, the Visa is currently projecting that they can reduce the the false fraud declines by thirty percent. Um, and, you know, I think one of the big issues with any kind of technology-driven you know, improvement like this is that, you know, there's a, there's a concern that maybe you'll have to, uh, the merchants would have to buy new technology, new, new terminals. Uh, you know, consumers would have to jump through hoops. And, you know, the, the, there's, there's no extra cost for merchants. Um, wow. There's, you know, yeah, it's, it's just something that's happening. Um, and they're actually expecting that, that partner cost, issuing institutions for, for Visa cards, um, that the, the cost will decline um, from the current hundreds of millions of dollars where they're you know, spending either having people proactively call and say, hey, I'm traveling to Istanbul, please don't decline my card, uh, right. um, to you know the, the transactions that you know, they're checking in. Is this an okay transaction? Should we, should we authorize this? Um, and then there's, there's benefits, too, in terms of people actually turning to these cards more. Um, the the um research that uh, uh, Visa Commission and that, that the two groups did together before uh, launching the service says that you know, something about half uh, of consumers would actually use a card more if it had this kind of protection because they feel that pain uh, that, that has happened before. Uh, and so it's, it's something that would actually get people to pull out their Visa uh, more, and more often at those, like you said, sort of mobile moments. Uh, right where they're they're out and about
2: so you said that customers have to opt into the service um, why does Visa think that people will opt in that they'll want the service
1: yeah that is uh, that, that's, that's always the concern with something like this um, and i I think that uh, visa is sort of relying on people understanding that this is the sort of the give get uh, of, being, of, of tracking of more data, of more uh, um, uh, technology, um, in that it's, it's they'll provide information. That the con- consumers will provide the information and then um, receive something of great value in return. Um, and if you, if you question whether people will do this, you can look at Mint, um, which has millions of users, uh, and you literally put all of your information, <laughs> financial information into Mint, into one place,
0: when, when you put uh, it like that.
1: People, <laughs> well, Mint, Mint doesn't describe it that way. But no, right, it's right. what's happening. <laughs> um, and and uh, I, I think the other big thing here is that people actually expect that banks will try to protect them from fraud. Um, and, you know, the, the research indicates, uh, you know, 75% of affluent consumers think that banks are already doing a good job, um, committed to safeguarding privacy and security. So if anybody's going to have permission to do this kind of thing, uh, it's, it's going to be banks and and, uh, and, and Visa, too. I, I think the one challenge here, of course, is that the minute somebody abuses this kind of location data, the minute you get some sort of push notification uh, about a deal that you aren't really interested in or that isn't relevant to you, uh, that trust could absolutely be lost.
0: Right. Right. Um, so... All right. This is this is great. Now I'm I'm, uh, for me this the the, the decline. You better.
1: Are you less creeped out?
0: Well, maybe yeah. But, but I'm you know I'm, I I I can see why this is a valuable service because I've been uh, I have to go up to Canada a lot for for business and just crossing the border often. Um, even though I go a lot, they seem to not get that pattern and and my card will get declined. So I'd love to not have my card get declined. But you know I can also see I've started to use Apple Pay once in a while where. Capturing more and more of our biometric data. When you know, how long is this really a value add for? I mean, isn't this going to go away pretty soon? Credit card use.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, absolutely. Mobile, mobile contactless payments are going to be the thing that the way that people pay in the future. The market, that market will only grow. You know, when you pay with Apple Pay, it is very secure. Um, it is, it, it, it feels you feel confident, and it. it actually reduces you know some level of physical movement since you're getting your phone out, which you're probably looking at anyway. Right. Uh, but, but the majority of transactions are still done uh, with a plastic card. Um, they're still done with, you know, you, you pull your card out and you use it, uh, and, you, and it's swiped. Right. Uh, and and this, is, this is the sort of service that um, will be very helpful until behaviors change. And, you know, sometimes behaviors change, change very, very rapidly. But given how long NFC has been available for, um, it's not the sort of thing that's going to happen next
0: year. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. It's been in sort of slow adoption so far, mm-hmm. at least.
2: Mm-hmm. So, what can um, customer experience professionals listening to this um, take away from this and, and learn for their own companies?
1: The biggest thing here is, is first understanding what the real, you know, the real pain points. Um, Visa is, is acutely aware that this is one of the, the major things holding them back from. Or uh, delivering on you know, uh, clearly delivering on the mission of of becoming you know um, uh, the most secure and, and seamless and convenient way to pay. Uh, so they they sort of identified this as a as a big problem and, and a moment of truth I think as you guys put it uh, where where it wasn't delivering Visa wasn't delivering on that. So understanding those points uh, you know where your where your firm is falling down uh, is huge uh, and then the thing that you have to understand at those points is, you know, what is it that's occurring around the people who are having this problem? What are the devices that they're using? Um, And then what are the capabilities of those devices? Uh, And and how could those things be used uh, to to solve the issue without rolling out giant disruptive um, changes in processes or, or technologies uh, in the way that Visa avoided, you know, the not not asking their merchants to do anything different is big. Yeah, uh, you know, there there is the, the need for banks to make a change, uh, but it's it's very, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not a, a disruptive way of, of implementing this sort of service. Um,
0: and, and it seems you know, like there's a a clear value add for merchants, for the banks, for the customers, right? For all the sort of mm-hmm. stakeholders in their ecosystem there is a clear reason why they would want this to happen, if especially when the barrier for it to happen is so low. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Um, and I think there is a danger here in like, oh, well, we'll throw technology at any problem and it'll solve it. Uh, and the key is how you get that implementation done and what you, uh, what, what you know that uh, consumers will actually do. Uh, those are just... Such key considerations. So there's there's a lot to be learned from this, um, and it goes far beyond you know use location data to improve experiences. It's actually solving <laughs> a problem with technology without a tremendous
0: amount of effort. Great. Well, Andrew, thank you for joining us uh, on the podcast. We appreciate it, and uh, for listeners interested in. Uh, more detail on this visa case study the report is called brief Uh, visa tackles a thorny cx problem with smartphones and uh, andrew will link to the report uh, in the podcast episode thanks all for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon bye for now Thank you for listening to this week's CXCast. We'll post links to the reports we mentioned in the show notes for this podcast. And if you have questions or suggestions, please contact me at sstern at And remember, your customer's perception is your CX reality.